Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yellen. Our guest today was diagnosed with extreme digestive issues in her teens, and by the time she was 20, she was on different pharmaceutical medications, too many to name right now, and uh, she had to deal with a host of issues. And joining us from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, to tell her cannabis story is Nikki Jackson. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Now take us back to your teenage years and tell us some of the health issues that you were facing as a teenager. So it all started when I was around 17. Um, I I was already having major anxiety. I was a teenager, graduating high school, not knowing what to do with my life. That causes anxiety in itself. Um, But then my stomach, I would be getting, I call them stomach attacks. So they started at three in the morning. Um, Most of the time, it was like a hot burning knife would be dragged through my insides um, and cramping from every angle uh, to the point where I wouldn't be able to stand up straight. I couldn't lay, there was no comfortable position basically for me to be in. Um, I ended up in hospital almost every two weeks because the pain would be so intense that um, I would be nauseous and and I couldn't work. There was so many things happening all at once. So I would be in hospital, which they can't really do much for digestive issues in hospital, unfortunately. So they would give me antispasmodics, anti-anxiety medications, pain medication. But by the time I would get home, I'd feel the exact same that I would before I went to the hospital. Um, So Nikki, was there a diagnosis, a particular diagnosis you had at that stage? So from 17 to 19, all they said was IBS. Um, They couldn't find anything else other than IBS. Uh, When I was 19 to 21, they were saying early Crohn's, but they would never actually give me a diagnosis, which was frustrating as I was trying to get on disability, but they were claiming my anxiety was more of a factor than anything else. Um, So I got an early Crohn's diagnosis at about 20, um, to which we basically held on to that and and pursued that uh, up until this past year, um, where I was actually off for nine months because my digestive issues got inflamed again, for basically due to stress um, and other factors. But I actually now have H. pylori, candida, and an unhealthy amount of strep and staph organisms. So it was a misdiagnosis back then, which I'm very glad that I advocated for myself because they would have wanted to cut out all my insides at 19. Wow. So you had H. pylori, candida. What was the other one? Uh, An unhealthy amount of strep and staph organisms. So basically that's fancy words for over-fermentation of bacteria in my body. How many medications were you on? Uh, Between 17 and 23, I was up to over 15 different pharmaceuticals. None of them worked? Absolutely not. They gave me mild relief. I was on anything from pain medication, sleep medication, anxiety, antidepressants, um, antispasmodics. They had me on anything they could shove in me. Um, And yeah, I did not feel good in any way, shape or form on them. Do you know what astounds me, Corey? We've interviewed a lot of people who've been on 15, 20, 25, 30, even more medications 
And doctors don't seem to care how many medications you're on. They just keep pushing these medications on you. Yep. And it was, oh, this one doesn't work, so let's try this one. And this will have side effects, so here, take this one for that. And it was at a point where I was, I had so many pills, I could barely keep track of them all. And and to afford the pills as well, that was another factor. Um, And then my mom would come over and pack my bong for me when I was having a stomach attack. I would take one bong rip and the whole spazzing would stop. The pain would relax and then I'd be able to eat a capsule, for example, and then the pain would slow down and dissipate. So it's getting the cannabis in me was the only thing that would actually stop the stomach attacks. I could take every single one of the 15 pharmaceuticals and they wouldn't stop it, but one capsule and one bong rip would. Okay, so what was in the capsule, Nikki? My first two capsules I started with was the Ryanol and the Stockinol from the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club. Um, They're super low-dose THC, but they're broad-spectrum, as one is made from the leaves, so you've got high terpene content, and the other one's made from the stalk, so you've got a broad spectrum of cannabinoids in them. And I started there, and once I could take up to 10, 15 milligrams of those at a time, I moved up to the higher-dose capsules. What uh, what was your introduction? Was your mother your introduction? She was, yeah. So my mother, at the same time as I was dealing with my issues, she was dealing with similar but different issues. She has colitis um, that was actually created by the pharmaceuticals they gave her for her back pain. It ended up eroding her stomach lining. So when we came to BC, we moved here in 2000. Um, my mother was in the ringer from 2000 to 2012 uh, in the Western Medicine Front. And then she found the club. Um, six months later, she brought me to the club, and uh, history was born. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's really amazing. What a good mother mm-hmm. introduced you to cannabis. Mm-hmm. I was using it recreational at the time. I was a silly teenager, just trying to get stoned as much as I could. But All I had right. never used it medicinally. And introducing me to the capsules and the edibles was really the game changer. And suppositories, of course. <laughs> what has it done so- for your anxiety? It's the only thing that can control my anxiety. Um, I still, to this day, have panic attacks on the regular, especially when my stomach is bad. It it really affects my mental health. So I take CBD regularly, and it keeps me level, I'd like to say. Um, My brain likes to go very, very fast, so it it helps me from spinning out, um, as well as I can actually get full body relaxation because I'm so tense. I'm constantly in a fight-or-flight mode um, with my issues. And so it keeps me away from the fight or flight, which is amazing. Nikki, what's a typical day look like for you cannabis wise? So it really depends on the day and how how my health is is doing. But I always start with CBD in my smoothie. I put at least 20 milligrams in my smoothie each morning so I can get dosing throughout the morning as that's the only thing I can ingest for the first few hours when I wake up. Um, And then I take some capsules, usually a broad spectrum. I'll probably take like 100 milligrams of straight indica THC. I'll take some of the raw capsules and the Rhinol and Stockinol. So I usually sit at about 200 in the morning. Um, I usually, by the end of the day, I'm eating upwards of 400. If it's a bad day, closer to 1,000. Um, but I'm smoking throughout the day too. I'm basically consuming as much as possible. It's, it's a fun game I play to how much I need to medicate myself. <laughs> 
With your digestive issues, what are some of the foods that you can't eat? Ooh, um, so I don't eat gluten or dairy. Uh, I try and stay away from processed sugar. I really only consume like honey or maple syrup. Um, it's probably easier to tell you what I can eat, to be honest. Okay. Um, I can only eat white meat, so chicken and turkey, um, vegetables, broccoli, carrots, zucchini, uh, rice, yellow potatoes, and... Um, a few different kinds of fruits, so berries, uh, pineapple, and bananas are pretty much all I can consume at this time. And when you don't eat something that agrees with you, you start to get cramping? Super cramping, yeah. It um, goes one way or the other, so either I go to the bathroom 10 to 15 times a day, or I can't go for a few days, um, but either one of those options ensues just yeah. absolute cramping from all angles, so... Wow, so life is a real struggle for you at times. It has been over the last 10 years. There's definitely been times that have been quite unmanageable, but um, I've found the regime and I've had quite the community of support from the VCBC that's helped me uh, figure out my issues and how best to deal with them. Have I mean, this is really an unfair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever thought about taking your own life as a result of your problems? 100%. It's definitely not an unfair question. Anyone that lives with chronic pain for an extended period of time is bound to get depressive thoughts. And unfortunately, that's one of the ones that come with it. Um, I'm not at that stage quite anymore. But this past year, when I was off work for the first time in my life, um, I had never let my body win. And I felt like it had won for a moment. So there's definitely times where where your, your brain can get tired of dealing with the rest of it. What would you say to someone who may be listening, who doesn't know much about cannabis and wants to learn? How, how do they go about that process? Because we're constantly getting uh, emails from people who ask us questions about some of the very basic things mm -hmm. about cannabis. Mm -hmm. Take us through, given the fact that you work in a cannabis store, Take us through the process that people can go through to make themselves more educated with respect to cannabis. So the internet is a wonderful but scary thing. So I always, when I'm researching anything to do with cannabis, I look for multiple sources. So there is a lot of people like you guys um, that are creating tons of content with very educational um great knowledge in there. So I would say just research as much as possible. And if you're scared of uh, the plant, try CBD first, because everyone, I know there's some people that can react to CBD still, but everyone, in my opinion, benefits from a little bit of CBD in their life, unless you have an aversion to cannabis. But start with CBD, see the benefits of that and, and go from there and ask questions. If you know someone that's consuming, that's, that's been and around the plant forever, ask questions. We're all more than willing to answer. Mm -hmm. So. And you probably knew nothing about uh, the endocannabinoid endocannabinoid system. Let's spit that out. <laughs> <laughs> not when I was first starting. Absolutely not. No. Um, I really figured out most things from trial and error in myself. Um, talking about the depressive state, I was very nervous to talk to anyone about my issues. And um, so it was, all, it was a trial and error for the first few years, but I've definitely learned a lot more since being within the club and, and doing intense amount of research over the last 10 years, because your body needs uh, a lot more than we think it does. So, 
When you were at your worst, what was it like for you? It was really scary. Um, I was at my worst in between 19 and 23 when you're supposed to be figuring out your life. Um, Vibrant, go, healthy. Yeah, yeah, traveling, doing all the fun stuff, you know, and, and I had to plan my days around where the bathrooms were. And if I was going on an outing, I had to know exactly where every possible spot that I could stop at would be. Um, so it's a lot of mental uh, anguish. It takes a lot of energy mm-hmm. to even think of, of what your day is going to be like. So it was really hard for a really long time. Um, but it can get better. And the only way it can get better is if you listen to your own body. So, yeah. Your trial and error is a big thing. I think people have to be willing to experiment and try things because what may work for you mm-hmm. may not work for someone else who has a similar issue than you. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Our bodies are completely different. Our genetics are different. The way that we react to it is different. Like for example, indica and sativa. And most people think indica in the couch, it's going to relax you. We have people come into the club that are completely backwards. If they smoke indica, they're up for hours cleaning their house um, energized, all the things. If they smoke sativa, then they're going to bed. So our genetics are all different. Every human is different. And the way the plant works with you is going to be different. So trial and error is a necessary part of cannabis medicine. That's interesting. Have you ever heard of that, Corey? You know, on occasion I have. And as um, Nikki's talking, I'm thinking also, um, you know, about how, you know, sativa versus indica, um, on another uh, level, CBD versus THC. So when somebody says seizures, first thing everyone thinks of is CBD for seizures. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we have people like uh, Baby Novoli who um, CBD exacerbates her seizures, put her on THC, and she goes months without a uh, seizure. So yeah, it's just all about everybody responds differently. And I get so many messages from people saying, can you tell me exactly what that woman with liver cancer used? Mm-hmm. Well, I can, but is that going to work for you? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I get similar questions at the club because I'm, I'm very open about what I've been through and, and I don't present myself as a sick person. I make sure that I, I'm a look good, feel good kind of person. So being sick for 10 years, I make sure that I don't look sick because I don't want anyone asking me questions about my illness when I don't want to talk about it. Um, so I sometimes have to explain what I've been through for people to understand that I know what I'm talking about. But then, like you said, they want to know exactly what you've done. Um, you can give them an idea, but if they're not trial and erroring it themselves, it's, it's really, it's just talk. You know, you don't look sick to me. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) No, you look healthy. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) What about strains? When people ask you questions about strains, what strain should I use? So I always ask what effect they're looking for because people get stuck on strains, you know. Someone thinks Kush is the only thing that's going to work for them. There's other strains that have the terpenes that are in the Kush. So a lot of people, I think we're starting to learn about terpenes and their effects more. Um, but I really just try and, and figure out what flavor profile they're going for and what effects they're looking for because I, I go through all different strains. It's really... Um, Again, the trial and error, the balancing of it as well. So, And a strain that's grown in Canada may be different than the strain that's grown in uh, England, even though it's the same strain. Yep. 
the makeup of it will be different. And if it's grown in uh, the United States, it may be different as well. Yeah. So strains is really a misnomer, isn't it? It is. And I feel like the whole indica and sativa labels on them too are, are kind of not as accurate as they could be because the terpenes, for example, we have a strain rainbow driver at the club right now. It's super citrusy, normally wouldn't affect me as a citrusy profile strain. I love the flavor, doesn't usually get me stoned. This bud is a 50-50 hybrid, but it gets me super stoned. So there's some other terpene that's in that strain that works well with me. I would have never thought by the smell that I would get baked off it, but... Mm -hmm. um, it really, it, the genetic makeup of the strains are becoming ever so more important for the medicinal values. So, When you were having very serious issues with your digestive problems, weren't you malnourished? Yep. I was actually dying of malnutrition. That's one of the reasons they told my mom they wanted to cut out my insides is at 20, they told my mom I was dying of malnutrition. There was no absorption happening in my digestive tract. That is scary as hell. Mm -hmm. I was really skinny. I'm like 120 right now. I was 150 in high school, and I was 100 pounds when I was super sick. 100 pounds? Yeah. How tall are you? 5'8 and a bit. <laughs> and you were 100 pounds? Yeah. You were skinny. 120 is even too skinny. I should be about 130, but with the issues in the past year, I can't get over 120 right now. So, Do you find that you're slowly getting better, or you're just maintaining your health? I think it depends on, on the environment around me. Mm. Um, with the major stresses that have been going on with the club over the past few years, um, I've been more on the maintaining side of things. Uh, after taking time off this past year, I'm on the getting better side of things. Um, it's just keeping the stress and and understanding the triggers uh, as well. So it's really you got to learn about yourself when you're chronically ill too. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, I was reading through your uh, letter that you sent us and, uh, you know, you talked about doing suppositories and plant material capsules, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, you know, RSO or cannabis oil, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I'm wondering, first of all, how much actual cannabis oil do you do? And I'm also, I can't help wondering, I'm wondering if you did that like on a regular basis, like say three times a day or something for a significant period of time, whether that would actually repair things for you versus alleviate symptoms. Totally. So I, I try and consume as much as I possibly can. Like I said, um, I find the capsules I like better only for convenience. Um, I do, however, make uh, doses of Rick Simpson oil for myself as well. Um, when I was super sick, I was taking the Rick Simpson oil every three hours um, oh, for, okay. for a long time. Me and my mother, that was one of our first medicines. Um, I like the capsules now because I... I don't have to have such intense levels of THC to get the effect that I need, but I definitely always carry a bottle of Viridesco around with me. <laughs> Explain to listeners what that is. So Viridesco is a local island company that creates Rick Simpson oil that uh, is a brand that I've trusted forever. So I keep a little vial of the oil in my purse at all times for easy dosing. We, a couple of weeks ago, we interviewed a fellow in Slovenia who is a cannabis activist and works with scientists, and he indicated that taking cannabis oil by suppository or vaginally is the best way to take it 
for effectiveness. I would agree with that. It's the most bioavailable way to get it into your body, and it also bypasses the liver. So a lot of people that aren't okay with the super stony effect find a lot of relief from the suppositories because you're getting all of the medicine without as much of the stony effect. You know, Nikki, something really, really exciting that happened in the past couple of weeks and was directly uh, related to Boshadar uh, is that they have now done some studies on suppositories because, of course, there's studies that show that cannabis oil is not absorbed in the blood vessels in the rectum. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that's what what's happening is they're being absorbed by the fluid from the lymph nodes. Awesome. That are also, the rectum is full of lymph nodes. But the more interesting part was these studies indicate that the level of uh, CBD, the concentration of CBD in the system rectally versus orally was 250 times stronger rectally and the THC was 100 percent stronger. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually, Corey. One of my coworkers has ovarian cysts, and we just started um, having CBD suppositories as an option. And she's been using those regularly, and it is the most relief she's had in the last few years. So... Nice. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Mm -hmm. How's your mother doing? She's okay. Um, her health issues uh, definitely got better. Um, we both medicate constantly as well. We actually started making our own edibles as well. So we use Rick Simpson oil and coconut oil and make it all ourselves. So she's on the managing train as well. She helps a lot with the club as well. She's on the board of directors for VCBC. So she's very active in the community now too. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. It's, uh, I'm wondering, as you were talking earlier about your digestive issues and uh, your malnutrition, whether the cannabis is starting to rebuild your stomach uh, digestive lining. What do, I, you, what do you think? I believe it is. Um, I firmly believe that it is because cannabis reduces the inflammation and inflammation is the problem that I have in my gastro tract. So um, like I said, when I took cannabis, when I was super sick, it's the only thing that stops the stomach attack. So I can only imagine that it's stopping the attack by reducing the inflammation um, immediately because it's an immediate effect when it's happening. So I believe it is the more yeah. I need to take. <laughs> Do you chat with other people who have digestive issues about some of their issues, which are similar to yours? Yeah, I talk to as many people as I can, honestly. When I first got sick 10 years ago, a lot of digestive issues weren't talked about in the mainstream media. They weren't talked about even in the doctor's office. Um, they just really weren't a thing. Uh, so I was more labeled as crazy and... and um, mm -hmm too much information kind of person. But yeah. now most of most people that I know know someone either with Crohn's disease or crazy digestive issues. Like they've got a mother, a brother, a friend that has these issues now. So 10 years later, they're, it's much more rampant um, and people are looking for answers. And because I've been so open um, these last 10 years about what I've gone through, people come to me a lot and I'm very grateful for that. So I'll talk to anyone about it. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being open about some of the issues that uh, that you've had. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think people are afraid to talk about bathroom issues. It's a stigma. Yeah, there is a stigma. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And people are not only afraid, but they're embarrassed about what they have. Mm -hmm. And you shouldn't feel embarrassed about it. No, we need to bring it back to that book, Everybody Poops. We all read that in elementary school. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We did. 
I guess that was before my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. I saw that in your library. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really interesting that uh, I find in chatting with people who I would never suspect that they would be taking cannabis they just kind of secretly let it out that, oh, yeah, I've tried that, and I continue to try it, or mm-hmm. I try it every night. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading a thing the other day that cannabis consumption in Canada is one of the highest in the world compared to other jurisdictions. Yeah, I can see that. And Yeah, that's right. And even though we have legalization in Canada, it is a mess and uh, you know that far better than anyone else because you work in a cannabis club. Uh, Nikki works in the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club, which is the oldest cannabis club in North America. started yeah. in 1996. Mm-hmm. And the government, between 1996 and legalization, left it alone. Now, as soon as we had legalization... All of a sudden, the raid started. Yeah, we've had two raids uh, since legalization, the most recent one in June. Um, we've gotten the city's support, uh, which is even more frustrating now that they're enforcing more action. Um, we've most recently gotten eviction notice from our landlord, not his choice. The government is strong-arming him with a uh, threat of jail time and a $50,000 fine. Um, so, yeah, the government really doesn't like not getting all the profit. (laughs) I know, yeah. Tell me the difference between the Victoria Cannabis Buyers Club and other organizations, other businesses that sell product. Mm -hmm. What's the difference in the product? In the product, for sure. Um, We only use the best quality of ingredients. We use the best quality of oils. Um, We were speaking earlier, compared to legal markets, they use the lowest quality of oils. Um, We make everything ourselves. I can just interrupt. Sorry to interrupt. They use canola oil, which is the cheapest oil. And canola oil was an engine lubricant Mm -hmm. before it became a cooking oil. Mm -hmm. Super undigestible for people like myself. So um, we use all the best, all organic olive oils, organic hemp seed oils, MCT oils. Um, We test everything. We source it all from the best uh, places we can. But really what the club is better with is that we talk to the patients. We help the patients. We explain the products. We um, help them create a regime uh, and we cater to the lowest um, income group. Uh, We have the lowest cost of products. We're actually the only ones I've seen that have lowered our product cost um, in the past few years. So yeah, there's a lot of benefits. And that's not to suggest that everyone out there is uh, using crappy products. No, absolutely not. There's a lot of good, uh, absolutely a lot of good. But I would like to think that our standard across the board is higher than others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's good to have you in and talk about your issues. And I know you have to get to work. So uh, we'll let you go. And uh, I hope over the course of the next few months and years that you start to gain some weight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
I don't think I've ever said that. To <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Because most people are overweight and uh, they've got to lose some weight. But uh, you don't look sickly, I'll tell you that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Cannabis can help with the overweight too. It metabolizes everything in your body faster. So, <laughs> so tell people about that. Um, there's a stigma that cannabis uh, users are lazy and, and overweight and all those types of things. But actually, if you look into the studies, um, cannabis helps metabolize... Uh, a lot of things in your body, it makes your metabolism move faster. So actually, you're more likely to burn fat faster when using cannabis. I got to tell you something, Corey. Are you still oh, there? Can. Yeah. Yes. No, uh, I'm not here anymore. <laughs> no, well, I thought so. Uh, last night, I took some cannabis and I ate an entire pint of vegan ice cream. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> And so today, <laughs> today I decided that ice cream is no longer on my menu. <laughs> <laughs> Portion sizes is all it's about. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I know. But I ate half of it before my wife got home from work. And the other half when she was there and she said, did you eat the whole thing? I said, yeah, but it's the last I'm ever going to have. <laughs> See, and that's the real dangers of marijuana, right? There. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nikki, good to talk to you. Thanks for coming in. I greatly appreciate what you're doing, and I hope you and your mother give it all you've got. We will. We'll show them all how it's done. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thanks, Nikki. Uh, the trials and tribulations of cannabis. Uh, Nikki was in studio because she, uh, I actually read about her story and uh, I thought that she'd be great. So if you have a story about the use of medical cannabis, uh, send us an email. Go to CannabisHealthRadio.com, send us an email, tell us about it, and uh, maybe you can be on the next episode of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to donate to our cause, you can send us an uh, as little as $5 a month. If you want on Patreon or make a one-time donation, go to CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 99.9% .9 of our DNA is identical. It's a 0.1% that truly makes us different and unique. And that's what the show is about. Find out that 0.1% about your favorite guests. Find out what music they like their first cannabis experience, and even what their room looked like growing up. But more importantly, or as important, their journey. Learn what makes them unique.
on Everything is Personal.